Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. If you have a Bible, um, this would be your moment to grab it. We have some NIV paperbacks in the center aisle here. Please feel free to grab one. If you don't have a Bible, make it your own. We're going to turn towards almost at the very end of the New Testament to 2 Peter, 2 Peter. So Peter, who was one of the early leaders um, and followers of Jesus, he was an apostle, um, wrote two letters that we have within our Bible, and this is his second letter that he wrote to the church. And in our season of Advent, we're going to look at just a portion of one of his letters. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. This is towards the very end of this particular letter. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies or elements will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be laid bare or exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt away as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. This morning we're talking about waiting in peace. How do you feel about waiting these days? I think I asked the same question last week. How do you feel about waiting? I suppose it depends on what you're waiting for. Um, how do you feel about waiting for Christmas? Sort of a mixture of like eager anticipation and maybe like, I wish it could just come. I've been looking at those gifts for days now. I wish it would just come. Um, what about waiting in line at the DMV? waiting in gridlock traffic to arrive home. That's a kind of waiting. What about waiting for healing? Waiting for justice. Waiting for a reunion. Someone you're looking forward to seeing again someday. Waiting um, can bring up a whole mixture of emotions. What about waiting in line for the porta potty at a music festival in July? <laughs> a 
That's a different one. Like you really want to get there, but you know it's going to be like an experience. <clears throat> Typically waiting is hard. What would it be like to be the kind of people who wait in peace? Thus, the exhortation, be diligent to be found by Jesus upon his coming without spot or blemish and at peace. How can we become a people who wait in peace? What might that feel like? How might I uh, be diligent to do that? How can we get better at waiting in peace? Um, Let's define peace. I got one for you. Some of you will love this. Some of you are going to cringe. Peace. Patiently. What did I say? Patiently enduring all circumstances expectantly. You like acronyms? What do you think? Is that a good definition for me? Patiently expecting. Sorry. (laughs) Acronyms are supposed to be easy to remember. Patiently enduring all circumstances expectantly. Eh. I don't know if that's like a perfect definition. Um, But something like that, patiently enduring uh, all circumstances expectantly. How can we become a people who wait in peace? Let's start with this truth. Elsewhere in the New Testament, it says, but now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Uh, Peter writes in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or spot. Did you catch that, um, that phrase towards the end of the passage that we read initially? Be, be diligent to be found without spot or blemish and at peace. This is a reference to um, the, the sacrificial a worship system, uh, the way the temple worked in the Old Testament. Leviticus 22 specifically refers to as the sacrificial lamb that's offered for the forgiveness of sins, the sacrifice without spot or blemish. So Peter's kind of hearkening back to this idea of a pure sacrifice. Be diligent to be found by Jesus without spot or blemish and at peace. This is one of the unique aspects of Christianity, the Christian faith specifically. We're instructed to be found by Jesus like pure little lambs, living sacrifices without spot or blemish. And Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, the lamb without spot or blemish who gave himself as a perfect sacrifice for us. Therefore, in Christ, I am without spot or blemish, for he himself is our peace. You guys ever used to watch the Bob Newhart show? Remember Bob Newhart? 
I think he's still alive. Greg, yeah, you with me? Anyone else? Do you remember the SNL sketch when Bob Newhart was hosting? And he, uh, he's a, a counselor, he's a therapist, and he's sitting at his desk. And this slightly nervous woman walks in and sits down at his desk. And he welcomes her and invites her to start sharing you know, her, her, her problems. And she's talking about how she, this and that, and there's fear and anxiety and all the things. And Bob Newhart's listening. And she finally stops, and he leans in. And he's like, okay, this is, this is what I would say to you. Just stop it. <laughs> and she kind of has a slightly distressed look on her face, kind of nods. It's like, oh, oh, okay, all right. And then she continues to spill her guts, talking about this and that. And then Bob Newhart, the doctor, he leans in. And again, this time with a little bit more volume, stop it. And this goes on and it becomes more and more absurd as the sketch goes. Have you ever uh, had someone just lean in and look at the mess that is your life and in so many words just simply say, here's some advice. Why don't you just stop it? Just stop being an anxious wreck. Just stop being a fearful mess. Just stop. Just stop it. There. Peace. Yes? And it's funny because it's ridiculous. Um, and actually not funny at all. If that ever has happened to you, I'm so sorry. As a Christian, I'm not trying to act like someone I'm not. I'm trying to embrace who God says I am and then act accordingly. If you believe that you're not loved, then you will quite naturally act like a person who's never known the security of being perfectly loved by someone who knows you perfectly. God's primary objective in your life, write this down. God's, I, I realize this is a very bold statement, but I stand by it. God's primary objective for your life is to convince you that you are loved and then empower you to act like it. This is called being formed into the image of Christ. The one who is perfect, the beloved, who embodied what it looks like to live as a human, one who loves God and people perfectly because he was the beloved. We receive God's love. He defines who we are. I become a child of God who's loved by my father like Jesus. And then I begin to work that out. I'm not just trying to act like someone I'm not, only to fail again and again and again and think maybe, maybe I'm not cut out. Maybe I'm, not just, maybe I'm just not good at religion. Maybe I'm too broken. Maybe I'm not lovable enough. The Christian faith begins with receiving a new identity, becoming a new creature is how, how the Bible puts it. Becoming a new creation in Christ and then being empowered to act like it, to become more and more like Christ. Therefore, therefore, peace 
begins not with your ability to master techniques, but rather the acknowledgement that Jesus is the master and source of all peace. And my peace is found in relation to him. Techniques and new behaviors must flow out of my new identity in Christ. Otherwise, I'm merely rearranging furniture on the Titanic, and there is no end to that vicious cycle. Jesus is my peace. And because of who God is and what he's done for me, and who he makes me to be, in my relationship with him, I begin to find peace. Not simply trying to will my heart to be at peace, but becoming at peace with my maker and my neighbor and myself and even creation. And then I proceed to act like it. And that, by the way, takes uh, a lifetime, multiple lifetimes perhaps. Jesus is our peace. Um, but that speaks of like a, a kind of cosmic peace, a reality that's secure in like the spiritual realm. Jesus, the king who conquered sin and death and came back to life, is seated on his throne in heavenly realms. Peace is a, is re, as a transcendent reality. And that's sort of a, a cosmic truth. Jesus is my peace. Peace is my reality. But what of my day-to-day, like my lived experience? Uh, what, so that's maybe cosmic peace. But what about experiential peace? Jesus has secured peace in the heavenly realm, but what, to what degree does that reality translate into the felt reality of my daily life? Let me read to you out of John 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, this is just after Jesus has been crucified, and there's merely rumors that Jesus has been seen alive. They're together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, Which is exactly what Jesus said would happen in John chapter 14. So if you just go back a little bit, six chapters. Jesus described this very moment. He said, I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm going to leave with you the helper, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you my peace, but not as the world knows peace. I'm going to give you the spirit, the spirit of peace. There is the truth, the transcendent reality that in Christ I have peace, spiritual peace, inner peace, relational peace, socio-political peace, eternal peace, etc., But in my day-to-day, I'm often just as anxious and as fearful as those disciples locked away in that little panic room. 
and God knows that I need more than the abstract assurance that peace is mine. I need Jesus to meet me in my fear and breathe on me again. And the good news is Jesus doesn't just uh, repeat some doctrine of peace to his fearful friends. He breathes on them. He gives them the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the person of peace. Which brings me to my second point. Peace is a person. Jesus is our peace. And peace is a person. Not just an idea. Not just an abstract reality that I meant to sort of mentally ascend towards. But Jesus comes and stands in the midst of my anxiety and fear. And he grants me peace. He breathes on his people. He gives us the spirit. As real as I can feel the breeze on my face, he breathes and the Holy Spirit comes and fills my heart with peace. There is a, you guys probably hear me say this almost every week, and I'm glad for it, but there is an experiential element, a reality to, to following Jesus that goes beyond words. In fact, we're told elsewhere that the kingdom of God doesn't exist merely in words, but in a demonstration of the Spirit, the present reality of God the Spirit, God with us, and a power. And I'm really passionate about inviting people and engaging myself in the reality of God's presence because I, I truly think um, that the least of our problems in today's day and age is lack of information. There was a time when not a single one of you out there would, would have access to a Bible. Like not that long ago. Today we have like stacks of them in the aisle. Thank God, it's awesome. Praise the Lord for the printing press and the internet. Information's important. Truth is a, is a non-negotiable. But I often feel like Jesus is inviting us, but, but meet with me. In your moment of fear and anxiety, call on me. Holy Spirit, come. Have you ever prayed that prayer? That's an ancient, ancient prayer. The very last prayer, if you ever want to like, like do a little study on all of the prayers in the Bible, Actually, a great book out there that I read just a couple of years ago. Um, Miller, Praying with Paul. Miller was the, I think, Paul Miller. Something Miller. Mr. Miller wrote a book, Praying with Paul. Just go through all of the prayers that were written in the various letters penned by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God. Go through all of the prayers in the Bible. You know what the very last prayer in the Bible is? Lord Jesus, come. It's an Advent prayer. Lord Jesus, come. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. When you find yourself sort of in that very real moment of um, sort of like dissonant reality, I don't know if that's, that's a thing, but like I know the truth. I know that Jesus is my peace, and Jesus is alive, and he's not withholding his peace from me, but my goodness, I don't know if my emotions got the memo. 
And I find myself locked in that panic room, fearful, because I don't know what's going to happen next. And I believe that Jesus is alive, but man, this is an uncertain moment I find myself in. And I'm waiting for the birth of my child, and I'm waiting to hear about that job, and I'm waiting to see how my marriage turns out, and I'm waiting to see if, if I'm ever going to experience peace in this life. I do well to pray, Holy Spirit, come. Lord Jesus, would you breathe on me again today that I might experience, feel, dare I say, the reality that you are my peace. Peace is a person. Jesus himself enters the room and breathes on us afresh. And he causes our hearts to catch up with what we know is true, with our confession. And we can know peace because peace is a person. Therefore, in the life of a Christian, peace isn't the result of mastering certain techniques. Peace is what happens when we live in close relationship with Jesus, who through the Holy Spirit is with us, as close as the breeze on my face. Finally, peace is not passive. Here's the other side of the coin. Elsewhere in the New Testament, it says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Peace isn't passive. It's not something that just happens to you. It's a process. And it does take practice. It's like practicing the presence of God. Practicing being aware that Jesus isn't far off. He's closer than we can imagine. Um, in that same passage, I'm actually quoting from Philippians chapter 4. If we back up a few verses, it says this. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Practice thinking. Uh, that's meditation. Practice slowing down. Practice. Practice practicing. Practicing anything uh, can be a challenge. And many of us have lost the ability or the diligence. I believe that was the word Peter used. We have forgotten that practice takes uh, a degree of discipline. Now, God gives us the grace that we need. He doesn't just say, good luck, kid. He, he, he walks with us. 
He empowers us. He energizes us. He strengthens us. He carries us and invites us to walk with him, to respond to his leading, to receive grace from him daily. And thus we practice receiving peace. We practice these things. Um, It's a diligent task to patiently develop the muscle memory of living into a new identity. Developing the muscle memory of living into a new identity. Um, Let me ask you, I'm going to actually close here, but I want to ask you a question. Uh, You can say it out loud if you want. You can respond out loud. You can whisper under your breath, but I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to think about it from the gut. Just, Just blurt it out. You ready? Who are you? couldn't understand anything if you're listening online there was a few people who boldly declared something who are you your answer to that question um, by the way there's no wrong answer there's only honest answers who are you will determine your answer to that question will truly not determine it's like a it's an indicator of, of where you're at in the process of realizing who you truly are in Jesus. God has done this thing because of his work on the cross. He's made peace. It's a reality. It's not a wish. It's done. Peace has been secured. But experiencing that, walking in that, we are so much, I'm convinced, I'll speak for myself, I am so much like those disciples locked in that room for fear of what's going to happen next or not going to happen next. And I need Jesus to meet me daily and remind me who I am because of who he is and what he's done. And I needn't Fake peace. I needn't listen to Bob Newhart and just stop worrying, just stop it. As if I have any say over what I'm going to feel any given day. I can make choices to meditate on what's true. To think about what's lovely and true and excellent. And who God is and who he says I am. And what he's done for me, his great love. And as I diligently practice these things... I find myself um, acting like who God says I am, feeling even the peace of God that surpasses understanding. And then I look in the mirror and I say, who am I? My hope for all of us is that without thinking about it, without faking it, without simply saying the answer that we think we ought is to blurt out, I am loved. I am loved. I'm a child of God. I've heard it said that there can be no peace without justice. It's probably true. I would say there can be no justice without love. 
because only a God who loves the impure would lay his life down to secure justice for us. Jesus is our peace. Can we stand together, please? Shirley, would you join me up front, please? Worship team. So the invitation is to not go out and do a bunch of new things. And by the way, uh, I'm all for, you know, various breathing techniques and um, sort of positive self-talk. These are all super helpful things. Um, But if we only ever practice techniques... It, as I said, it's, it's like moving furniture around Titanic or whack-a-mole if you prefer. We're just sort of avoiding, like, what is, what is the reality that's, that is happening in my soul? Jesus comes like the spirit who hovered over the chaotic waters. Jesus comes and speaks the word. is the one who has authority over my heart and all things. He commands the storm to be still and there is peace. So the invitation is um, come to Jesus. Pray the prayer. Come. Holy Spirit, come Lord Jesus. Would you fill my heart again today? that I might experience the reality of your peace. I believe. Lord Jesus, would you come and help me? Shirley's going to lead us in communion now. Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you think of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So every time we take communion, we are proclaiming Jesus' death on the cross until he comes. This is that in-between moment where we are celebrating the amazing thing that he did while looking forwards. Jesus, you are going to come back. You're going to fulfill this. Um. So when we take the bread, you can uh, dip it in the juice and take a moment to, to think about the hope and the peace that are coming. We know that they are coming because he promised it and then sealed that promise 
with his blood. This is something that we do as followers of Jesus. And so if you if you don't want to, you do not have to partake of this. Um, but at the same time, this is an invitation that if you would like to say yes to Jesus, this could be perhaps your first step to, to making that decision. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then um, the worship team is going to sing, and you can, um, we have on this side and this side, and uh, gluten-free over there. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for pouring out um, yourself. Thank you for suffering and dying for us so that you could seal the promise that we will have uh, love and hope and peace and joy and all the things that we so desperately need, that you are our peace. And we just, we sit in that. We receive that. We love you. And I ask just that this peace would just seep into our our very bones, Lord, just, just sink down and really that we would marinate in that peace this morning. Thank you so much for who you are. Amen.